Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. In fact, two different sides of the table, if we were. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja and the upcoming comic Three Protectors. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders of Melisanda for the Accidental Aliens. Yeah, and we don't need to ask each other what we're drinking because we're fucking four feet from each other, yep. right? Of course, it's a good time to mention we're both fully vaccinated. We're responsible adults. And uh, and we have some beers in front of us. And so I have a beer called Smogtober, which is a variant of like a nice Oktoberfest hearty lager. It, on the can, it says like nice and malty. It is nice and malty. Nice. So yeah, we're getting down with it. And I have a bunny with a chainsaw. It is a double haze, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. And it's quite good. I really enjoy it. It's very smooth. It has a very smooth haze aftertaste, which I enjoy. And uh, this is a gift from Keith. He brought this down, uh, you know, while he's while he's staying the night here and he's got his, his metal swap meet tomorrow. So we're chilling out, having some beers, getting some pizza after this and uh, talking comics. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so let's see if I'm hosting, that means you get to go first. So what did you do this week? Uh, it's, it's Drawtober, Drawtober, Drawtober. That's all I'm doing as of now. You know, it's funny talking, talking to Keith in last episode, he had mentioned, he had asked you a question. How does a writer work on multiple projects at the same time? How do you get in that headspace? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to chime in, but good thing I didn't because I got to bring it up now. When I'm doing this Drawtober event, I, I have mentioned multiple times that I want to, I'm working on two books at once. It is very difficult for me to divorce myself from the Drawtober event. Like for me to actually switch back to Wanders takes a lot of work because um, my brain space is so much in this storyline. It's just like, well, I want to finish drawing this first. So I think that's part of the reason why I'm working so far ahead. Like if I can, I think I'm two days two days advanced right now from uh, uh, this release date. So I'm trying to work as head as soon as or as much as possible so I can start the next project. So like I don't know if it's artist brain or just my brain and Keithins, but uh, yeah, the 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 ability to switch projects, it's quite difficult. It's like when I have to do those commissions, like I know I have to sh like shut my comic brain off, which is a different which is a different uh, uh, art brain, I mm -hmm. guess. It's like when I do a commission, it's just like okay, it's a you know, a single image or a single character with a turnaround. Yeah. So there's no storyline investment that that's going on. It's yeah. like, well, there's no story there. It's just, I'm drawing one image. That's what it is. And I have to finish that. And totally. So, so I'm able to switch that. It, it's, it's the reason that a lot of people who are excellent Jeopardy contestants work at places like libraries and post offices because they can fill their brain with Jeopardy facts because their day job doesn't get in the way. Right. You know, so when you flip to a commission, you're not really burning any wax that you are going to use elsewhere. You're just engaging drawing brain. Right. So it yep. makes total sense. Yeah. So that's that's what I've been doing since the last time we talked. Just uh, chipping away at that and just experimenting with different techniques. Like I'm drawing clouds and water. And uh, I'm just doing them in a different way than I've done them before. And uh, it's interesting. You know, it's just... Last the last October project, I did clouds very similar to the way I drew them he, uh, in this issue. So it's kind of like I think my cloud style is evolving in a way. It's more of an Asian influence, and as was the waves and the water that I've been drawing. Okay, it's like there's more of an Asian influence there, and and I like it. I like the change. It's okay. it's nice. More more cumulonimbus and less cirrus. Mm -hmm. Cloud nerd shit. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, so but I did want to mention a couple things. Right to to that point. Number one. Uh, about, oh God, is this beer hitting already? Did I just forget already? Oh, about <laughs> about changing your brain. I would argue that just like you guys were talking about warming up your drawing muscles, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that the more you do it, the more you just get used to it. I think when you're writing comics, novels are different because, you know, again, as as I've mentioned before, I write the novel every day. I'm in the novel every day with some exceptions when the schedule doesn't allow. And then comics are what I do after that, right? The more you do it, the more you get used to doing it. So right. I think that's it too. It's that you and Keithan aren't really doing that. So it's a muscle that you have to activate and get used to using. In my case, it's almost like the old, the old computer nerd term. Like it's not a bug, it's a feature. 
I was in Kidoja for a while and I was working on writing the script, you know, to, to backtrack a little. I was writing the script to volume four, number one. I had to crank that out because I wanted to get it to Will so Will could start drawing it. Then I'm like, hey, and before that I had worked on three protectors and getting that ready and done and finally edited, completely done so that Lance could work his magic. So I go back to animals now. And for a while I was just like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? And, and I think to that point, when I'm, when, when I was thinking about animals, what was, what was cool about it, you know, you could argue it was bad about it or you could argue it was cool is I had to reacquaint myself with animals and in, in reacquainting myself, again, you kind of use the whole, it's not a bug, it's a feature. Well, if I'm reacquainting myself now is a great chance to find out what's good and what's not. Because when you get some distance from a story and you come back, you immediately know whether it's good or bad. And, right. uh, and that's what I found. I was like, actually, I'm pretty cool with all this. You know, it needs some tweaking. I thought it was going to need much more in terms of large structural changes than it did. Um, and I've talked about some of those things on previous podcasts. But in general, I was in a pretty good place. And, and without that distance, who knows? You know, if you're just looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, you never get a larger perspective for it. So right. I think it's, it's, it's repetitions and it's also, you know, trying to figure out how to make something that might seem bad actually good, you know? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I, I think even when I first started doing, like taking on commissions on more of a regular basis when it was just like, okay, now I have legitimate clients that come back to me every month, every other month to do work. Um, it took me a while to even adjust to even that, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's not, it's not a story and it's not like, you know, burning too much wax, like you said, but there's something, there's something about stopping a project in the middle of the project, which is something I never had to do. It's just like, mm -hmm. no, I work on something until it's done and then it's done. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, it is interesting that I've, I've been able to adjust to that life. Like, okay, commissions, you know, uh, extra work, freelance work. It's just a normal part of my life. It's like you draw your book, but you also draw the things that help you get paid now. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, it's a, a balance and it's something you learn, learn to do. Totally. And I mean, I think you have evidence of that on one of the past podcasts, because I remember you saying um, that you would draw what 20 minutes at lunch and then draw a little bit more here and draw a little bit more there. And, but by the end of the day, you've drawn an hour and a half because yeah. you just stole 20 minutes here and there, you know, or whatever it is. So, right. I mean, that's part of it. You know, the, the, the stuff I'm talking about is not a lot different than that. Um, one other thing, actually, I was thinking about this. And I had two postscript notes I wanted to make off of last week's conversation uh, that we had with, with Keithan, um, which was when we were talking about the, it, they were both around this General Cruz does not seem like the type of person who, right? Right. And so I forgot to mention that I'm pretty sure I have this term right, that I'm actually, turns out I'm referring to a technique. And that technique is called lampshading. Lampshading is the art of bringing something out in the public to kind of address a concern that someone might have. And it's, it's a, to your point, what you said, I think when we were talking, it's, it's like a writer's way of acknowledging something that's there and then moving on from it because sometimes you need to do that to put the reader at ease, you know? So again, I think I have that application of lampshading correct in that you're taking something that's, that might be a concern, bringing it out in the open and then addressing it as it goes. Right. So that was thing number one. Thing number two, I did myself a little bit of a disservice because I, as I am wont to do, I brought up the one person who had this thing about General Cruz doesn't seem this type of person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I should mention that I've had multiple people in the military also come to me and say, you got the military dead on. Oh, interesting. Right. And, and they were like, there's all of this internal stuff just like anywhere else, right? So I thought that was really cool, you know, because yeah. again, I, I did some research, but my background is not military. I'm not former military. So I thought that that was, and, and I think that speaks to the fact that there are just some things that are universal. Organiz yeah. Organizational dysfunction and miscommunication is universal, man. It don't matter mm -hmm. whether it's the military or the corporate world or the 7-Eleven down the street. Right. It happens everywhere, you know? So I wanted to mention both of those things. Um, but for my first thing, uh, I've been working on animals, speaking of that. And so it's, it's a 10-chapter book, as I've mentioned before. And over the last week, I have done my work getting up to chapter 7 now. Mm. So in terms of rewriting, doing things like that, I am now through chapter 7. And as I think I've mentioned 
you know, a little bit here and there, what I need, you know, what my concern is, is chapters eight, nine, and 10. But I can't feel good about eight, nine, and 10 until I feel great about one through seven. So now I'm at the spot where I feel great about one through seven, and it's time to go ahead and tackle the ending at eight, nine, and 10. Turns out I didn't change that much before, so I don't really need to change that much after. So I was, I was pleased with that. You know, I went on a couple detours there, which we talked about in the whole like science versus supernatural kind of idea. But again, I, I think I'm in a pretty good place to start to tackle that. The novel is always going to come first for now. And, and I haven't been able to look at it as much as I could, but there's going to be a time where I can just dig right back into that. And again, we're, we're close. I'm close to being done. And I also, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I think I have an artist, yeah. which is very exciting. I, I had my previous artist kind of uh, cancel off there who was going to complete the book. And uh, he recommended a friend. And it looks like that friend's going to be able to work on animals. So I'm really excited. I think he has a really cool style that's going to fit the book amazing. So nice, man. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on there and that's good. Like you're, it's all coming together. You know, you're in, you know, when we talked previously, it's like, well, you're in these certain stages and uh, it sounds like it's all coming together, which is really nice. For sure. For sure. So you had, you said you had a second thing, right? I do. Um, uh, I realized I, I probably have a third thing. So I'll, I'll just combine those cause they're one's really small. Uh, basically, uh, Ed requested, the uh, uh the the thumbnails did did I mention this on the Keithin episode? I don't know. It doesn't I... sound familiar. Okay, all right. So Ed actually uh, requested the the pages for the Drawtober stuff because mm. he's going to be scripting it. Mm. Uh, I was working Marvel method on this, and so I was like, "Hey, do you want me to just send you the thumbnails for everything?" He goes, "Yeah, if you got them." So I sent all the thumbnails and then all the drawings that have been done so far each day that's been done so far. So I just sent him his way, and so he's uh, done a. a rough, rough tackle of what he's got so far. And uh, so I started reading some of it and I was like, you know what? I don't, I started reading a little bit, but I was like, you know what? I actually don't want to read anymore um, because I want it to be kind of fresh. And I also, when I finish, I want to send him my ideas of what's going on because I, I want, I want it, I want him to know what, what my thought process was going into this. And mm -hmm. that's something that Kirby did with Lee all the time was he, he, Basically, Drew wrote the story or, or, you know, whatever. He he drew it, which which wrote the story, right? Um, and he said, okay, here's my ideas. And then even to the point where he was giving dialogue. Like, this is what I wanted him to say right here and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes Lee would use it. Sometimes he wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then, you know, Stanley goes over the top and then he does he does his stuff on top of that, you know, kind of combining the efforts. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's exactly what I want to do with Ed on this one. So I started reading a little bit and I was like, you know what, let me stop now. Cause I don't want what he wrote to influence me because it's like, no, no, no. I want, I want to give him my direct thoughts and what I thought was going on. And then he can use his script and then go on top of that and he can decide what's good and what's to be used. And then maybe he needs to adjust stuff or like, Hey, well, what do you think of this? This is more in depth on the story. And, uh, you know, we'll roll from there. That's um, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So that's how many things did you have? I only have a second one and it's short. Okay. But I also want to mention, talk about a little bit something in this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, number one, I think that that's, you know, for people that are, it, look in your and Ed's case, it's a little different because, you call each other up, your friends, you know, you were friends long before you did comics. Yeah. So on one hand, you're exchanging thoughts by a written form, but on the other hand, you can always throw texts and phone calls and shit at each other. Yep. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. There are people like me where, or, or like some listeners out there probably where you're working with someone that you're not friends with. Right. And this is where I would argue that the written form becomes even more important. You know, um, I, I think I've mentioned or I hinted at, I hinted at before and I'm going to talk about it later, that I'm I'm falling back in love with Sandman again. Neil Gaiman's Sandman, which was, you know, not one of my first loves in comics, but one of my deepest loves in comics. And so I am working my way through the annotated Sandman. It is an amazing collection. Uh, they do, the whole Sandman is annotated, but it's in four volumes. Working my way through volume one. And the cool thing about the annotations is there's your typical annotations about like historical stuff and blah, blah, blah. But the really cool thing is that the guy doing the annotations got access to all of Neil Gaiman's original scripts. Oh. And what is amazing about it is those are my favorite annotations because there's one where 
Neil, like the person, uh, Leslie Klinger, who did the book, does this annotation of Neil Gaiman's script. And it's like a quote. And it basically says, as I finish this first issue, I am, I am watching the end of a horror film involving the mystic arts and dreams. Uh, or something like that. And then he mentions that like there's music playing and the music is Mr. Sandman or something like that. And he's like, I find this all rather appropriate and interesting as a bookend to the thing. And I'm like, I love that shit because yeah. like Neil Gaiman is putting that shit in his script. Had I not read that? And you'd have said, Keith, you know, like, what do you think about a comic script? Should you just put like short paragraphs of thought to your artist? I'd have been like, that's fucking stupid. You know, like I'm here to, I'm, it's all business, you know, but yeah. everybody communicates differently. And I think that's amazing that in Neil Gaiman's original scripts to Sandman, he's got all of these, like, that, that is not the only one where he does that, you know? So yeah. it, to me, it just bookends or, or really kind of um, redoubles on the fact that communication is so important and however you communicate is how you communicate. That's how Neil Gaiman does shit. Yeah. He has these incredibly long descriptions. There's one, it's like a solo panel of, of the Sandman lying on the floor collapsed. And Neil Gaiman's description is like, it could be this or it could be that. Here's what I'm picturing, but it could also be this sort of picture. Another option is for it to be this kind of picture. Yeah. He gives the artist like the universe to play with, but also focuses it. So yeah. the communication, man, it, it's helpful. It, it always helps. And especially when you don't know each other, it can only make things better. Only emphasize things. It's like what you're looking for open this second beer right there so and I'm so will i doing the let's the, go so keith popped over and got uh a harland hazy ipa for me and he got himself one of his favorites the harland japanese lager so we're hitting our second rounds of beers here nobody's driving we're actually gonna go Walk to get some pizza after this. So that'll be pretty cool. We're gonna we're gonna drink and walk. Yes. Which fun fact is roughly twenty times more dangerous than drinking and driving. <laughs> <laughs> that thank you Freakonomics. I got that. But yeah, it, it 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 doesn't feel like Scott and Keith hanging out in person without Harland right playing some sort of role in the proceedings. Yeah, so. that was actually another option when you're like, hey, do you think we can go to Trader Joe's? You know, and I was I was about to suggest, and you're like, actually, I got a place near. I'll, I'll just do that. And yeah. I was actually going to say, let's go to Juan Paseo and uh, go to Harlan, order the pizza, go to Harlan, have some beers there, yeah. pick up the, peer, uh, the the pizza, and then then head out, right? Yeah. But uh, this Next works time. out. Yeah, we'll this keep, works We'll out. keep it chill this time for sure. Um, yeah, that's a great benefit with being friends with Ed and knowing him as long as I have. We have done all of those things. We'll do um, – so one of the things, if we have a major storyline going, I always tell him, because this has happened, we've had a long text change exchange where we're talking about a storyline and um months later i said hey did you write any of that he goes uh no so we lost all of this shit right and and right. so thankfully i think we we got most of it just by going back and forth like well what did we say here what were we thinking here so i think we got the majority of it but there potentially were things that were lost so i said never again because yeah. we had some great shit yeah. like like, he was throwing stuff at me. I'm like, that's amazing. Like, that's yeah. really great. And I'm like, what about this? What about this? So we were, like, bouncing ideas off of each other just, like, in the middle of the day. And I was like, that was fucking great. Like, we yeah. talked for an hour via text. Like, so, but we talk so often. And, like, I have a habit every once in a while. I, I delete text to save space on my phone. So all that shit was gone. And uh, he didn't write it down. So I was like, we can't do that. That can't happen again. It needs to be through email. When we're talking about yeah. uh, like an extensive storyline, it needs to be an email so we can always go back to reference it. Yeah. And uh, so that's what we do. But when it's stuff like we're working on this particular issue, it's okay if we do, you know, back and forth because it's like the book's going to – I'm working on the book right now. So it's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we've – over the years, we've learned that. And then every once in a while, like, you know, he'll say, hey, you got time to talk. You know, or vice versa. So, like, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, give me 10 minutes or whatever. And we'll get on the phone, the phone and we'll talk for an hour. You yeah. know, and we'll just be, like, talking about ideas, things that are coming up, stuff that we want to do now. And we'll just start bullshitting about life because we're friends. So, totally. Yeah, so it's, it's a great relationship. And it's just, like, you know, that's why I was so interested in Keith inside of it when he was talking about, you know, working for a company. It's just like, yeah. well neither one of us really have an idea of what that's like when it comes to the comic business. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what's that like for you, you know? And, uh, you know, so we got into that a little bit. So yeah. that, that stuff's always interesting. That leads to my second thing, right? 
And my second thing is really quick. It's not much of a thing in terms of work I did, but it was something that I've been working toward that I didn't want to mention to you until it happened. And that is, I am tabling at San Diego Comic-Con Special Edition. Oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, kind of a weird indirect story, you know. Um, San Diego Comic-Con Special Edition is happening Thanksgiving weekend, okay? When my wife and I first saw that date, we were like, what the fuck? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? And and that seemed idiotic five months out. But then what happened was about three weeks ago, three weeks ago, I get my note from San Diego Comic-Con that says, hey, your pro badge, the pro badge pre-sale is in a couple days, right? And I'm like, well, it's free. It is. I mean, it's not like I'm doing much the weekend of Thanksgiving. You know, I don't care about outlet malls and we're not going anywhere. So, right. you know, it's all, and our family's all here. So there's nowhere for us to go. Oh, you okay. Know? So, um, so I was like, yeah, I'll get, I'll get my badge. I'll get my badge. Let's go. You know, that kind of thing. And then, uh, I happened to mention it to my wife and she was like, oh, well, and I didn't get her a plus one. Usually you get plus ones. But, uh, in this case, um, she was like, ah, you know what? I'll buy a badge. Yeah, we should do it. And and it was that case of, in the distance, it seems kind of silly. But then once you get closer, you're like, well, you know, we're just doing Thanksgiving. And then after that, who really cares? Friday, right. Saturday, and Sunday, you know? So right. she ended up getting a badge for herself, and she ended up getting a, a badge for one of our kids, right? Is it is it Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or is it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no Thursday. So Thanksgiving is for the fam. Okay. And then I'll wake up early Friday morning and just come on down here, you know, nice. and, uh, and, and see how it goes. You know, it's obviously going to be different. It's going to be more muted. I just read a detailed thing of New York Comic Con on CBR. Um, but on the other hand, it might work, you know, like... What everybody talks about with San Diego is everybody gets nostalgic for how San Diego was 15, 20 years ago. Well, now's your chance because that's what it's going to be like, you know? Right. Big boys aren't going to be here. TV's not going to be here. Movies aren't going to be here. Mm -hmm. Local artists, you know, creators more on the indie level. So I'm I'm excited for it. Um, We will see. And so anyway, then at that point, I was like, well, wait a minute. If if we're all going to be there anyway, why don't I just try to table there? Like, tables are cheap if you can get them. And what, what hit me is... I think I went to the website and I was like, oh, who's exhibiting? And they're like, exhibitor applications are are live. And I'm like, you haven't sold out yet. So I submitted my application. It takes two to three weeks to review. And yesterday they gave me the confirmation. Right on. So I'm doing it. You know, it's it's not San Diego Comic-Con, but it's the first time I've ever exhibited at this company's Comic-Con. So I know it's not going to be the... The same, but you know what? It might be better. And it might be better for me than a normal comic. Honestly, I think it will be. To be honest with you, um, a couple of my buddies are doing it as well. And it's kind of like that FOMO is kicking in for me. It's just like, gosh, shit. Like, the SoCal Comics event, the free comic book day, was gangbusters for both of us. It was just like, it was very successful. It was just a nice little Saturday where we're we're selling our books, hanging out, having fun, drinking beers. And uh, we made good dough that day. You know what I mean? So... Like, it's probably going to be ten times better than that. To be honest with you, yeah. I think I think it's going to be great. Um, Thanksgiving weekend. The reason why I didn't apply was Thanksgiving re- weekend is usually a thing for my family. They usually go out to the desert. They all have like their desert to- uh, toys that they like to do or whatever. I like to go up for a day or two mm-hmm. just to hang out with the family. Like that's my thing. It's just like I like just to hang out and and you know have some beers, play some games you know, play with my nephews and nieces, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's it. And then, uh, you know, that's, that's the whole thing. But so that was the reason why I didn't apply. So I'm not sure if I'm going this year to the desert. So it kind of, I'm like, ah, crap, I could, could have signed up for it. You still can. Yeah. So, so who knows? Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I'm not sure. I gotta, I gotta talk to the old lady and see what's going on. Um, it's a big ask to, to do a, yeah. Halloween, you know, a Halloween, a, a Thanksgiving a holiday yeah. thing. Yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. And of, and of course, uh, since then, I had my own family complication, which is <laughs> the band BTS announced that they are performing in Los Angeles that weekend. Oh. And everybody in my family is a BTS fan but me. Yeah. So they are all going. So oh, okay. that's just going to be like, I, shit, who knows, man. I'll probably stay in my kid's apartment or something like that. I'll figure it out. Right, but, uh, right. But anyway, so it, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And um, and I, again, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm excited. Nice, man. Yeah. Um, I would say the last thing I have is uh, you were here for it. So the Drawtober books, 
Jawtober turned fully formed comic book, uh, Second Shift 11. The books are finally here. The, the Eddie Nunez cover came in a month or so ago. My printer had some issues. It's been documented here. And the books finally showed up today. Keith was here when I unboxed them. And uh, it's always exciting to get new books in. And uh, so I have the Kickstarter exclusive version, which is the Eddie Nunez. It's fully colored. But I also, picked, I also did some black and whites. Um, I did 50 black and whites. They're going to be limited edition. I think I am going to keep them to Kickstarter. So my next Kickstarter, those black and white versions, they'll be an add-on. Or they just might be part of a tier or something like that. More than likely an add-on. So uh, yeah, if you back the next Kickstarter, those, those black and white version of Eddie's cover will be there. So it's so exciting because that means this week I get to package everything and ship everything out. And uh, honestly, I'm excited to do that. I need, this has been a monkey on my back for way too long and I just want to get it done. And uh, it's exciting, man. It's exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm just happy to hand you a copy of which, the Eddie Nunez cover. Which is, it's a great time to mention that I got the first fucking copy. Yeah. Right? If if that shit was pizza, I'd have burned my mouth on the cheese. Yeah. You know what I'm the saying? roof like, of your mouth would have been destroyed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so no, I, I'm, I'm happy that I was here for it. It was, it was good timing on my part. And uh, there's going to be a lot of happy people once you mail that out in a couple days. So, yeah, man. Fuck yeah, man. Great shit. So I think that's the end of, of the stuff that we were, that we did this week. So we wanted to talk about, and I feel like, you know, this is like that line Uma Thurman says in, uh, Uma Thurman says in Pulp Fiction, where it's like, now I definitely don't want, don't want to talk about it because it's been built up too much because we've been building to this talking heads pages discussion for a while. Um, so hopefully it, it, it lives up to whatever advanced billing we've actually given it. So I figure I'm just going to rhyme off the dome for a little bit. Say say a couple things, then we we can go from there. You okay. Know? Um, so talking heads pages, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind a little bit to what Mike told me when I was rewriting that scene for Kadoja issue one in, in volume four, where he said just no talking heads pages. So, you know, full disclosure here, I'm a little ignorant on a lot of comic terminology. You know what I mean? Like I my method of writing comics is like I just sort of write it you know what I mean like I don't I don't know what the common things floating out there are or anything so I did a deep dive into talking heads pages and I was like because I'd always thought talking heads pages were fine you know like who the fuck cares you know no big deal right but you know talking heads are stigmatized and I think in a lot of cases in many cases the stigma is is true you know but so let's talk about what a Talking Heads page is and what I think the best way to look at a Talking Heads page is, right? Uh, it's funny because, you know, we were talking about this before, that Gary Hodges uh, heard our tease for Talking Heads a couple weeks ago and was like, oh, I, I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. And he had a funny line in our chat where, where it said, someone watches 12 Angry Men and then says, brah, Talking Heads, you know, and it's like... <laughs> It can get overdone the wrong way, too, you know? And so when I am specifically referring to Talking Heads pages in the negative way, right, in the negative connotation, what I'm referring to is a, a page where the art is doing little, right? Because there was a comic that I, I told you about during the week that I'm not going to mention here where it's gotten very, very, very word-heavy, over a recent run to the point where there were even some prose pages in there. And it's like, look, I love prose. Okay. Again, I, I read 40 plus novels a year. I write prose. When I pick up a comic, that doesn't mean that's what I want. If I wanted prose, I'd have picked up a book instead of a comic. You right. Know? Yeah. What Sometimes makes... you order a pizza and then they hand you a deli sandwich. You're like, what the fuck's going on here? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now we're, now we're talking pizza. I'm getting hungry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, that's, that's the thing, right? Like comics, what makes comics magical is the intersection of art and words, right? If you were just doing art, well, then that would be a painting or a piece of art, wouldn't it? Yeah. If you're just doing words, well, then that's a novel or that's poetry or that's a screenplay or that's something like that. It's right. not a comic, yeah. right? Thank you for your haiku. Yeah. Is that what that was? That'd be amazing. <laughs> no, <laughs> but if it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a haiku in <laughs> yeah, there yeah, somewhere, sure there you know? Is, yeah. 
but uh, comics podcast haiku yeah exactly right. exactly send so, your haikus um, in sending comics podcast at gmail.com we would, com, yeah i know i kind of want to try to well i too much beer in me to do a haiku right yeah i don't know what that last sentence i just said was That's, it's, it's, about, <laughs> it's about haikus and shit right something so, like that yeah so you know again to to talk about talking heads i think i've set it up a little bit maybe a lot but to take a step back why are you doing a Talking Heads page in the first place it is a great place to start with this, right? And what I struggled with in talking to you about, like, what do we title this? You could, you, we, I could have titled this Exposition and Information, or we could have titled this Talking Heads. We're going with Talking Heads. Yeah, it's you know? more, it's more comics lingo. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, exactly. uh, like, you know, if you didn't know what it was before, you're probably going to go look it up um, if you're new to this. But if you've been around comics a while, you know what a Talking Heads page is. And yeah. that, that's more of an interesting conversation than the, you know, the other title. Right. So. And, and, but when someone is doing a series of pages or a page that's Talking Heads, what you're really doing there is you are trying to put information on the reader, right? That you are, you are doing your best to do, I don't want to say data dump, I don't want to say like an exposition dump, but you're definitely giving a whole lot of information to the reader there that is word-based, Right. When the art is is doing no work or or not complimenting the words, that's that's the quote unquote bad talking heads page that I'm talking about. So let's let's stick on that. Let's stick on the the quote bad one for a second, okay? If you just have a bunch of people, like if you just did a bunch of panels of Scott and I talking on this podcast right now, that's a shitty comic, right? Because we're we're talking, we're looking at each other, we're you know, we're responding to each other's cues, we're drinking beers, and we're dumping a lot of information out there through our dialogue. We like to think that makes a nice podcast. It doesn't make a nice comic. Right. You know? But you're gonna have to have things like that, right? So right. when we stick on the bad thing, you know, a couple number one, I think the thing is it's like a hot potato, man. You know what I mean? Like you might have to do it sometimes, you might want to do it. I don't have the aversion to talking heads that other people do. You know, the comic that I'm referencing, I'm actually okay with a fair amount of just dialogue only work. Again, where the art isn't really doing much and the dialogue's doing all the lifting. Um, I'm okay with that for a little bit. Right. right. And, but just know that you got to get rid of that hot potato as soon as possible when you're doing that. Right. And, um, and then Scott has mentioned in, in not only in direct response to this, but in a previous whole episode we talked about right where we were talking about finding the fun and boring pages in a lot of ways that applies here right mm -hmm. and what scott was talking about is switching up the angles and doing things like yep. that tackling the characters at different angles looking around the room so like if keith and scott talking about beer right like there is a way to make that interesting for the readers and it's like what's going on in the room around them what are they doing how are their facial expressions like like if you if you tackle the page in a certain way, it can be accomplished in a successful manner. Like you can get a reader through it, them realizing, oh hey, I just I just read a lot of information. Not a ton of stuff was going on, but I was entertained the whole time. Mm -hmm. So if if uh, the guys like like Keith's petting a dog, like I got three dogs, so Keith's petting one of the dogs. So we're talking, and it cuts to the dog's face and his reaction to Keith petting him. You're, the the reader is going to go like, oh, the dog. Look, look mm -hmm. at him reacting to the, the pet, right? right? Like, so there's a way to get people through these scenes. It's just a way of making them interesting. And, and like he said, those, the, for the artist, the talking heads are the boring pages. How do you do that? How, you have to make it fun for yourself. As an artist, what's fun for you to do? And, and honestly, sometimes you're on a deadline and you will just draw the talking heads because you know what? Drawing a head is easy, easy to do. You can, you can draw it at different angles and it's like, if it's just, if you getting through it is all you're trying to do, it's just a job to you, then that's what you can do. But if you want to entertain yourself while you're working, think of those different angles, through an up angle, down angle, like looking at the guy's shoes, like, you know, him scratching his leg or something like that. There's, there's ways to get through these pages uh, where it's not so painful for yourself as the artist and the reader who's going to be reading this book. Yeah, and I mean, look, full disclosure, Kadoja Volume 3 has Talking Heads pages, right? Like, now that my eyes have been opened a little bit, I'm like, oh, look at that shit. I just did it, you know? Yeah. Honestly, I don't have the aversion, like, like I didn't know there was a stigma to it, honestly. I yeah. didn't know that. Um, like, as an artist, I don't find that I mind them. Like, like I like watching, I like looking at artists, their interpretation of Talking Heads. Someone who does amazing Talking Heads 
two artists in particular that jumped to my mind is Humberto Ramos and Ryan Otley. Those are the two guys that I could watch them do talking heads all the time. Mm-hmm. Ryan Otley does this great pacing thing. Um, and I don't know if it's Kirk, Kirkman's direction or it's just Otley's choice on to do it. It'll be the same image, but just one thing will be different. Like it'll be like uh, the character's face and he's thinking. And the next one is him going like, maybe? And mm-hmm. it's kind of like the expression changes, but everything else in the scene it's the exact same image, image, but he's changed facial features a little bit. Yep. To me as an artist, that is so interesting, and I love it so much because, number one, not a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You're, you're copying and pasting essentially the, the previous panel into the next panel and then redrawing the face. Just a couple of expressions. Maybe it's just the mouth, the eyebrows. Yep. The eyebrows and the mouth, those are the two most expressive parts of the human face, the eyebrows, eyes, and mouth, right? Mm-hmm. So if those change, the whole mood of the panel changes and so to me that's something that's very interesting and it, and it's just a sometimes he'll do pregnant pauses where the image doesn't change at all it's the same image it's just like yeah, it's man. like comedic relief yeah. it lets you hang on what has just said yep. and it lets you sit there for a beat or two yeah and then you hop on and that shit is so interesting to me because yeah. it's just a different way to do these pages yeah and it cuts down on work and it's just so different than what other people are doing yeah, yeah, and and what you've really done is, in in talking about exactly that, you have gone to the the twelve angry men type of thing, right? And also the the argument that I would make to like let's all make a pact to try to aspire to have our talking heads pages kind of graduate from a talking heads page, right? Because yeah. here's the thing, right? This is this is where a commoner might look at a, a bunch of people talking and say, that's a talking heads page, right? I would argue that the, um, the I, was that invincible that you're talking about with Otley yeah. or was mm-hmm. it something else? Mm-hmm. I would argue that those invincible pages are not in fact talking heads pages by my definition because the art is going hand in hand with the story now, right? Because what you're seeing is you're seeing changes in facial expression, right? And you're seeing arguably tension or things like that right no like, some of these scenes they're at, at like mark's house okay so there's he's talking to his parents or something like that or he's talking to eve his girlfriend or something so they're talking head head pages for I, sure I, I would be and again i i think that's the common thing but i would yeah. argue that like that's the kind of talking heads page where if we can all aspire to that yeah it's the kind of thing we want because now the right. art is working hand in hand with the words you know right. and, and and that's what you always want exactly. you, you never want it to be you never want like okay so that it's it's an interesting point because this this kind of brings me back to uh part of the conversation we're having with keith and you know like okay the 90s were so art centric and then the early aughts were so writer centric like the point that I didn't get to say because there was just so much going on in that in that conversation was comics is a 50-50 split. Like no matter how you want to shake it, if you want a very successful comic book, the art has to be good and the writing has to be good. They have to work together in harmony to create right. a comic book. When you have one that's more than the other, you, you will get some success. Like Image, Image, Comics, the 90s, it was all about the art. The writing was like second hand right mm-hmm. like it was barely there um in the early aughts that's the rise of bendis the talking heads page were prolific mm-hmm. but he made it work everyone's mm-hmm. like this is great this is great for we don't we don't for whatever reason we don't know why this is great right but it is and then you get to now where you have these highly talented artists uh mixed with guys like tom king you know, uh, uh, Tinian, uh, uh, you know, whoever else, Snyder, right? Um, so you have these guys, and you're just like um, Kirkman. I don't want to leave out Kirkman. It's like Kirkman, talk about a writer who knows his artists. Mm-hmm. It's like he fucking knows how to find an artist, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like you have these these two parts of the process that come together as one, and that's what you want for a successful comic book. So you always want your talking head pages to feel like they're supposed to be that. Like, you don't want them... There's nothing wrong with that. You and I having a conversation, that that's what happen in, happens in life. Mm-hmm. So it's okay if it happens in a comic book. It's okay if Peter takes his mask off 
and talks to Doc Ock and says, hey, stop doing this. How come you're doing this? And Doc Ock says, I'm doing this because of this reason. And it's his words that matter mm -hmm. in that particular moment. But in the next scene, when the artist has to go off and there's an all-out brawl, that's when the art matters a little bit more. Yeah. So it's just finding that balance to make sure that you're doing a little bit of both. Like, that's something I've talked about with Ed. You know, with Second Shift, it's um, minimum wage workers during the day, superheroes at night. And it's just, that's that's the balance. How do you make the minimum wage working during the day interesting, just as interesting as being a superhero at night? How do we do that? And so we found a way. Ed, Ed has uh, perfectly mastered that in my mind. It's just like, yeah, yeah, John's working at, at Fish World, and he's having conversations, and there's shitty things happening around him while he's at his job. It's those shitty things that's happening around him that make those talking heads, those boring pages interesting right and they they're no longer boring yeah because you're just like oh yeah that, that's shitty yeah you know and you're like i can identify with that exactly and and you just so your your phrase shitty things official phrase tension right conflict right right that's all you're talking about and so to get back to the talking heads thing right you could make a comic scene out of us having a podcast if you introduced tension and or conflict we don't have any right now, so this would still be a shitty scene. Right, right? yeah, yeah. But it would have to end. Like, it, like, it would be uh, two, page, it two yeah. pages of this, and it cuts to us being superheroes, right? Exactly. Or whatever, a fucking kaiju attacking. Exactly. Then it would have been fine. Exactly. Right, but exactly. it can't be 22 pages of us sitting here. Exactly, and, and I think, but that's, that's where it gets back to the, you know, if there's tension and or there's conflict, and the art is complementing the words, then yes, it looks like a talking heads page but it doesn't walk and talk like one you know and so again i i hope we've made a succinct point in that you know that like i guess if 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 there's nothing you can do and and i get it if you can't introduce tension and or conflict into talking heads pages and you just need to give people some information do it you know just just know that the watch is ticking yeah you know mm -hmm. um and but if you can introduce some kind of tension and conflict, then the watch is not in fact ticking. You know, like you can theoretically have a 22 page comic of nothing but people talking if there's tension and conflict there um, or whatever you're going to do. So anyway, I, I think, I think we've wrapped up talking heads and I think we actually brought that to a head a little bit, which, you know, look at us making succinct points after, after two beers in. So That's right. We're, we're crushing it. Yeah, man. Um, with that, Let's go to the coloring question that you got. Okay, so um, I got a message on Twitter. Uh, my name is Orr. I'm a comic writer and editor, cur editor currently looking for a colorist for a 400-page graphic novel. We already have over 100 inked pages and are eager to start the coloring. Um, I'd love to connect and chat about it more. And so uh, I let Orr know that there's a couple of things. I've talked to my, my colorist, so I met my colorist on something called zomb uh, Zombie Gutter, or, or excuse me, Gutter Zombie, years ago. It was some kind of message board, and uh, that's where I found him. I posted my ad. Uh, my writer, my, or excuse me, not my writer, my colorist friend, uh, uh, he also actually designed the, the logo for Second Shift, uh, Mark Letzman. He was a colorist for Image Comics at the time. Mm. And he's like, go to this website, um, you know, put up, put up your info. Don't let them know how much you can pay, you know, get some samples. Oh. Right, right, And then right. you're like, what website? You're like, wait, wait a minute. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. And I have a virus. <laughs> Surprise, it's herpes. <laughs> it's forever. It's a real virus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, but I'm going to tell them how much because I don't want to waste anyone's time. I don't want them to waste my time. You know, it's just like, I don't want to do a bait and switch. So I told them, I'm like, look, this is what I can afford per issue. Um, it's 26 pages in a cover. And, uh, so I got some samples. A lot of them were awful. And, uh, then I got my colorist. I was like, holy shit. Like, is this a legit, is this a, like a legit guy? And, uh, yeah, that's where I met Joaquin Pereira and he's been my colorist ever since seven years in running. Yeah. Um, so from what I, so I asked him, I said, Hey, do you remember what that was? And he was like, yeah, it was gutter zombie, but it's just, it's no longer in service. It's done. Uh, the only forum he said that still prevails is digital webbing. So that's something else that you can look for. Digital webbing, look for that uh, forum, and you can look for colorists there. He, 
I also suggested to Orr uh, Fiverr. That's F-I-V-E-R-R. You can find a lot, like pretty much if you're looking for an artist, a colorist, uh, tons of different like odd jobs, people do them there on the cheap. It's kind of insane. Like these prices that people are charging, it's 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 like crackhead prices. It's yeah. Like, like so cheap or whatever. I've used Fiverr for a bunch of things. In fact, uh, somebody designed the, the death metal band, speaking of the swap meet tomorrow right oh. uh the death metal band side project that i do casket master i got that logo design on fiverr oh no shit yeah oh, it wasn't five cool. bucks because that's how it's just more like an increments of five right depending on what you want but yeah i got you know you get like multiple revisions and all that stuff and that was the logo so yeah man i use fiverr all the time yeah so fiverr is a great resource so if you haven't heard of fiverr uh go there check that out facebook groups so if you're not on facebook get on facebook there's tons of you know, artists looking for writers, writers looking for artists, um, creating comic books uh, sites, and there's colorist sites. Uh, my colorist suggested also going on those. That's that's how he primarily gets jobs these days. It's on Fiverr and uh, Facebook groups. And yeah. then also, like I said, you can go to digital webbing. So those are some options for you guys out there. If you are looking for a colorist, I highly suggest checking those those places out. Um, I don't think DeviantArt is still a thing. If it is, it's on the dying end of it. But you can also check DeviantArt. Um, so, yeah, man. There's And then, like, if if you can come across somebody on Instagram, that's always cool. Like, I found a couple of people on there. I wasn't looking for them, but I've come across their work on Instagram, and I thought their work was good, so I follow them. I'm not looking for anyone because I love Joaquin and we're, we're, you know, fast friends and all of that. So... Um, I don't want anyone, so, but if you can look for a colorist online uh, on uh, Instagram, that's somewhere else to check. Yeah, that was actually going to be the thing I was going to mention, which is um, don't be afraid to go on Instagram and do a, a search under hashtag colorist, right? Mm. Don't even do colorist for hire because, you know, like, I don't know, to your, to your point about... Um, God, the the first site you mentioned, um, Gutter Zombie. Yeah, where you got it. You you know, a lot of people who are like, "I'm for hire." Eh, sometimes the quality can be lacking, right? And so, it, but if you do hashtag colorist on Instagram, you're going to find a lot of amazing colorists. Now, bad news. It's like me trying to find ladies in bars back in my twenties. You're going to strike out a lot, son. <laughs> you know, but all it takes is one, and that's the beauty of it. You know, so. I would say if you're willing to put your head down there and get, you know, get rejected sometimes and get left hanging on red a whole lot, um, you're, you might find somebody too. You might find, you know, an amazing, amazing colorist there. So another, yeah. another option. A lot of, a lot of them too, if they are looking for work, it says it right in their bio. Mm -hmm. So yeah, make sure you're going on their main page and looking in their bio. It says colorist looking for work or colors for hire. Yeah. And those are obviously the ones that you're going to want to hit up. But then you, you could take a big swing at, at a big boy if you see that they have a lot of followers or whatever. You never know. You might get a cover colored or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, okay. Um, all right. I've been, I have forgotten to mention this for a very long time. This dates back to when I was in Philadelphia for fencing summer nationals. Okay. And I, I put this theoretical to a couple other people, but I haven't put it to you. And you're the comic person, so I'm really, really interested in your opinion. I'm going to set this scene up for you, okay? I go to a record store, okay? And uh, it's a heavy metal-themed record store. And I had been looking forward to this as, like, the linchpin of my visit, right? So I go into this heavy metal record store. And I start looking around. And um, for the moment, I'm, like, I'm sort of underwhelmed, you know? Because on one hand, it's a heavy metal record store. On the other hand... Its selections are very, like, there are a lot of copies of records that most metalheads should own anyway. You know, you get to the Metallica section, and they just have, like, five copies of every Metallica album. Okay, so explain to me what self-respecting metalhead isn't familiar with Metallica's entire discography anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I'm looking through that, but I look A to Z. And I end up finding, you know, a record or two where I'm like, well, I like this record. I don't own it on vinyl. I'm here in Philly. I'm here for this. Let me get this record, right? But but in general, I'm also kind of thinking like, you know, again, it feels, on one hand, it seems to be catering to like an extreme metalhead crowd. On the other hand, the records aren't that extreme. I would rather go to Amoeba or even a local record store and find two records that are like, what the fuck is this? 
you know, and then grab those because at least there's a nice random strangeness to it, you know, like obscurity. So I got my two records in hand and then I, I noticed there's a nook near the cash register at the front and they have, yeah, I got like toys and they got some comics. So I'm like, ah, cool. They got like a couple comics on the wall. I look at one comic and, uh, and it says, what if Ghost Rider went metal? And I'm like, hmm. well, that's interesting. Yeah. And, the, and the cover of it is one of those mocked up action figure covers that oh, have yeah. become very popular. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the mocked up action figure looks like a Norwegian black metal dude, right? So um, if you're not familiar, if you're sort of familiar with Nor Norwegian black metal and only know the game Guitar Hero, then they look like Lars Umlaut, right? Which is the guy in Guitar Hero. If you know absolutely nothing about Norwegian black metal right now, they sort of look like Kiss. That's all you really need to know, okay? okay? Yeah. So it's, it's like that. So I pick the comic off. I see that it's $6. I'm like, okay. So let me open this up and take a look because now I'm curious. Like, is this a series? Is this a comic? Whatever. Yeah. I open up the comic and I just page the first page open, okay? The owner comes over and says, hey, um... If if you wanted if you wanted to open that comic, I would have appreciated if you asked me first. But I'm going to let it go. So I'm going to pause time right now. What do you do? I I would go. Oh, okay, man. I, I get it. I'm like I'm a comic. I'm a comic uh, collector. I know how to handle them. But I get it if that's your store policy. It's all good. Okay. Yeah. So I put the. I said thank you. I put the comic back in the bag. I put my records back, and I walked the fuck out of that store. Yeah, right. I mean, that's also a very appropriate response. And it's also dependent on my mood at the moment. Yeah. Like, like there's there was a day where I was just like, I'm not taking anyone's shit. If anyone fucks with me, that's it today. Yeah. That's fucking it. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. Someone's getting cussed out. I'm done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, on the, I'm usually a very mellow guy. Yeah. I'm very calm. I'm very relaxed. So it's usually not a problem. So right. the what I said to you is normally what I would have Would done. you have bought the comic though? Or would you have... Because I just said, again, I didn't... I'm not in the mood to... So at that moment, yeah. to your point, I was underwhelmed in the store. Yeah. And, and then I find something that's sort of the first thing that I'm really genuinely interested in. And it's $6 and the person is telling me to handle it carefully. I, like, I would not have bought it for this, sure. Right. And yeah. I didn't buy anything. And, and the reason that I'm asking that to like a comic person is because... Anybody who has been in a comic store, in any kind of comic store, knows that you can routinely handle $25 books in any comic shop. Right. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Like, yeah. comic shop owners, for the most part, are not going to get too uppity right. about you handling a book yeah. up to about 20 bucks. If it's more than 20 they probably got a way yeah, to yeah, kind yeah. of safeguard hey, it. Hey, let us sure. know. We'll open it for you or... Exactly. You know, let us know, and then they'll kind of go at your discretion. Exactly. But right, the right, day right. before, I'd been at a comic shop routinely handling $20 and $10 copies of Fantastic mm -hmm. Four comics. That's, this reminds me of uh, that store in Utah that I went to, and like the guy was just overcharging for all the Savage Dragon issues. What I should have done is what you did, which was just put everything in back and go, all right, go fuck yourself. Yeah. I'm yeah. not buying any of this. Because I was kicking myself after I left the store. I'm like, why did I just, why, why did I just do that? Yeah. Why yeah. did I just buy these things? I didn't need them. Yeah. Like, I could have told that guy to fuck off. You know what's yeah. funny now, though, is, like, there's issues that I know of Savage Dragon that I want more than others. It's like, fuck, I think that issue was in there. Yeah, <laughs> And it's yeah. like, that was the one I should have got. No, you know totally, what I mean? So, totally. but, but whatever. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. and it, okay. and in Appropriate my, so, response on your end. Okay, good. Yeah, and again, I, I want to repeat. I didn't do anything rude to the person. I simply said, okay, thanks. I put the comic back. I put it in its place. I put back my records, and I just walked out of the store without saying anything. I'm not here to start a fight, but I'm also not going to spend money in your store. You know, uh, this, you know what's funny is um, I was talking to Keithan online about something. Uh, he knows this guy, Bobby Rubio, very famous Filipino artist. He works for Pixar, and uh, he directed, there was a Filipino short, Float. Okay. And uh, so he directed that. And um, so he posted something. He did a posted an image about um, this shop. It's called Comics and Stuff. It's a chain here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And the one in National City was run by this 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 giant lady named Rita. She was a bitch. Like she's awful. She she seemed to hate children, and was in a business that revolved around servicing children. Yeah, that was a weird sentence. Bad. bad. No, no, that's bad perfect sense. sentence. That's right, a right, perfect sentence. Yeah, servicing children. It's just, it's just oh, insane. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jokes. So anyway, she was a bitch, and so it was like, oh, you hate children, but you. 
like that's who your business that's your clientele exactly. right and so she would scold children at at a drop of the hat for any reason or whatever and um i remember as a girl i still went there at until i was a grown-up because mm-hmm. it was just my shop I, yeah. it's just what i knew i just yeah. took the abuse i was just like because you don't know any different. right you didn't yeah. know any better like it was just like that's how a comic shop workers are they're yeah. abusive so like they're just like <laughs> yeah, the yeah. rude comic guy on the simpsons it was yes charming? yes yeah. absolutely yeah totally and um uh i remember there was an inc- incident where i wanted to put a couple of books back and like like now that i've been in the business and i kind of know how it works i kind of get her point to a degree but just the way she talked to me i didn't appreciate it was like ah, i'm just ah, i hadn't been there in like two months so there was like two or three issues or something of one one series and I was like I don't I just don't want the series anymore it's fallen off and I just hadn't been back and mm-hmm. she yelled at me you got to buy those books and blah 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 she went off on me and uh I was just like uh, I was shocked because she talked to me like that as a child right so it was like just this learned abuse that went on right I still bought the books yeah and I kicked myself for weeks after that like what I should have done was dropped all the books on the floor and told her told her to go fuck herself. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what should have happened. I tell you what, you could have gotten a hundred of my dollars. Yeah. Instead now you're of hundred and twelve, and you're gonna pick these up off the floor. Yeah. and I'm fucking out of here. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And uh, yeah, but like yeah. there was this built-in trauma that I had over the years, and sure, I just sure. cowed down and I bought the damn books, and I hate myself for it. Yeah. But uh, you know, never again. It's one of those things. Those live and learn. But also at the same time, it's like yeah, if you got a pull list and you have something on your list, you committed to buy those books. They ordered X amount plus five copies, right, or yeah. three copies, and it's just like okay, well. You did commit to buy those. Yeah. So I understand her point, but the way she speaks to people is not That's cool. Not cool. Yeah. I think she's retired since since that. I think that that location has closed down, so mm-hmm. I don't think they repurposed her somewhere else because she was truly awful. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Yeah. Well, so I was going to say, story. There's, there's a nice postscript to my story. I go to a comic shop the next day. That book's there. I go to What If? And I'm like, what if Ghost Rider went metal? Different cover. Four dollars. Nice. Mine. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for leading business to the other store. You know. Right. So I was like, ah, ah all right. Yeah. It was a pretty. It was a fun little episode. Nice. Too. So nice. Anyway, all right. So you, we got one last thing to talk about, and uh, to quote the late great Bismarcky, the Scott is going off. <laughs> right, dude. I so, I yeah, need to fucking it. chill. I need yeah. to chill out. So since last time I talked to you, I bought those uh, Beta Ray Bill issues. Don't yeah. regret it. Since since then, they came in. I texted texted Keith. I said, you know what? I was wrong. Excellent condition. Yeah, they way were. way better. They look clean, son. So yeah. clean. And uh, I was like, gladly paid the one fifty. Yeah. Because I got Stormbringers. Uh, first appearance, yep, and uh, uh, Beta Ray Bill's second appearance as well, yep, and then his fourth appearance, right? Yep. So I got first, second, third, fourth, yep. uh, Beta Ray Bill. Yep. And what I've learned is those issues go up. Yeah. So years ago, I bought uh, Usagi Ojimbo's second appearance because I could not afford his first. His first appearance at the time went for a thousand dollars or more, yep, and uh, probably that, maybe two now. And so I was like, second appearance, twenty bucks, yep, thirty bucks. Yeah, okay, I'll buy that. Stupidly, I only bought one. That is a $200 book now. Yeah. So, with Beta Ray Bill, it's like, I need to get his second appearance. 338. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's the one that you want. Because yeah. you can you can do the you can do the 337, which is great. I want the 337. I yeah. got the 337. I got one of them. That's all I need. Yeah. I can't afford a second one. You got the one. Way yeah. too expensive, right? Yeah. But I can afford a, another copy or two of that. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, fast forward, I'm st- that's still on the hunt. Uh, that's still on the list, right? But I got back into my love of collecting X Men issues. So this the the series that needs to be collected and picked up is the Phoenix Saga. Oh, I wow. have all of the Dark Phoenix Saga. I own all of those. Okay. I just dropped 150 bucks on a couple of issues of the Dark or the regular the Phoenix Saga, plus a couple of other issues, which also included the Star Jammers first appearance. Yeah. So I'm cut off. I'm freaking cut off. So yes. I got a lot of books that I need. I'm missing one issue, but you know what? At this point, it's been a, a week, 
and I've spent $300. So I need yeah. to chill the fuck out. <laughs> That's all I'm getting. There's no more. I'm not allowed. I, I went onto my eBay. I went into my watch list. You punched yourself in the face. <laughs> I punched myself in the face a couple of times. Called myself a bitch. Cancel the eBay. I got, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and I, I removed so many books from my watch, my yeah. watch list. I, there are some in there still, but they're kind of like, they're not popular books. And they're quite, they're, they're like, some are reasonable. Yeah. 25 bucks, 35 bucks, right? Yeah. Some go to 200 bucks. Those are going to stay in there, but like... No one's looking for these books but me, so I'm yeah. not worried about it. Yep. And so when they like when the auction's ending, I'm just like, whatever, it's all good. If someone yep. gets it, then they get it. Yep. If they don't, they don't. It's it's yep. not a big deal. Well, I, like I was telling you before we recorded, it's also fair. It's like it's like full disclosure, Scott. I got a Sandman number one. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, that's so, great because so, that was on the list from a couple of episodes ago, and yeah. you got it, so that's great. And I got a great deal on it. You which did. Was nice. I got a. I great basically deal. got it slabbed at a cheaper price than an auction that was a half point higher slabbed you right. know so i was like oh well, how about that shit you know yeah, that kind of quite thing. reasonable and, what but you for got me, it for it, and like i was telling you it's like i the comics i want are either like on the pricier side or they're dirt ass cheap yeah. you know and so you know that's fine you know like you have your stuff you want to read and you have your stuff that you're looking to collect so. that's funny because mine are in the middle yeah you know? you're in it's that just middle like, i'm in the you're i'm in the section that you're not even touching yeah and it's just like every book i buy is 25 bucks you yeah. know what i mean and yeah. that adds up quick yeah for me it's either like a, i mean it averages out in most cases to either less than a dollar or more than 25 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. so anyway all right man uh anything else you wanted to talk no, about no man that's, that's about it i think we should order a pizza and head walking on down there let's get it go ahead man shout out your social media all right you can find me at twitter and instagram at scott lost s-c-o-t-t-l-o-s-t and facebook.com forward slash scott lost yeah man for me you can find me at keith underscore decibel uh boy you're gonna be able to check out the history here because i plan on posting on both keith underscore decibel and on uh, Kadoja Kaiju tomorrow when I do the San Diego Metal Swap Meet because I've got some Kadoja comics and I've got some metal. And, uh, and so those are the main things that I'm going to be selling at the Swap Meet. I hope it's great. It's going to be great no matter what. You know, like the cost of a table is not way, way more than the cost of like the price of admission. So I get to sit at my booth. I get to listen to a DJ select metal songs two live metal performances and no doubt like the PA just blaring metal all day long. Right. And, uh, and I'm selling some of my records and CDs from my own collection. That'll hopefully offset, offset the cost of the table. So nice. you'll be able to by now check out those archives on Keith underscore decibel and uh, Kadoja Kaiju. And you can find my books at accidentalaliens.com, Second Shift, The Tale of Minimum Wage Workers During the Day and Superheroes at Night, and Wanders of Milisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans, all on accidental... Wow, what was that word? Get it. Accidentalaliens.com, two beers in. And then uh, I got other titles there. Accidental Alien Anthologies 2018-2019 are available. I have stories in those. And uh, Tales from the Mothership, I also have a story in there. So you can all you can find all those books at accidentalaliens.com. Yeah, man. Easy for you to say. <laughs> Hoo-ah, yeah. Hoo-ah. Double hazy, baby. Hi-yo. Double hazies. Third, 32 ounces of hazies right for that ass. Yeah. Watch out now. Watch out. <laughs> He's doing karate. He's doing I'm doing karate. karate. You guys karate, can't bitch. see it. Yeah, exactly. Everyone got it. All this air got it. Exactly. So uh, for me, it's keithrfoster.com. You can find um, some blog posts there. You can find a little bit of, like, bio information. Uh, I still am supposed to update this music stuff, but, boy, my schedule's been busy. And you can find Kadoja there. You can you can get some Kadoja comics. And uh, so Kadoja is a throwback black-and-white giant monster comic in the spirit of Godzilla, but darker and with some veins of H.P. Lovecraft-level madness going on. And the more you read Kadoja, the more you realize the madness is escalating and it's going to come to a head in Kadoja Volume 4. So you'll be able to get the first three issues on the website and uh, and dip a toe in that madness for yourself. And don't forget to uh, hit us up at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. 
any questions, comments, concerns, anything you heard on this episode, the last episode, the previous episode, anything you guys want to talk about, let us know there. Or hit us up on our social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that. We'll respond to you and we'll answer on the air. Yeah, and so you know what I'm about to say next, right? Actually, you don't, because you thought I was going to talk about podcasts, but what I'm actually going to talk about is one of my favorite talking head scenes of all time, which is the Staff of Tannis scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I remember mentioning that to somebody, and I was like, well, that's a talking head scene. And they're like, I don't think that's a talking head scene. And I, I asked for their explanation, and I honestly can't remember it. <laughs> I think it is, in fact, a talking head scene. But back to that talking head's point, there, there's some shit in movies where, like, I love that exposition. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and if you don't think so, man, hit us up on makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com or hit me up and tell me why the, you know what I'm talking about, right? The scene where, like, Indiana Jones comes up and starts writing on a chalkboard and flipping it around and telling people, like, the staff of tennis this, and then they bust open the history book and the Ark of the Covenant is, like, blasting light out. Yeah. And then, yeah, man. That's, that's a perfect example of making a talking head scene exciting yeah one of my with favorite. what they're doing yeah, yeah one of my yeah. favorite fucking any quentin tarantino movie you got talking heads for days sure right. sure exactly exactly so now back to podcasts and apple and spotify if you can rate us if there's a place where you can rate us we highly recommend you not only rating us but giving us the highest possible rating because look you're more than an hour in here man you know like throw those five stars or if it's a one to ten throw ten if it's one to seventeen Throw 17, right? Whatever mm -hmm. you like, right? Like, shout us out. You would be surprised at the positive impact that that kind of stuff ha uh, has by just giving a simple review or even throwing a few words behind it. So if you've already done it, we love you. Thank you. We appreciate it. And if you have a couple seconds and you want to do it, well, that would be wonderful. Yeah. And so shout us out on social media. You know, if you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, you got a Twitter, let people know that you're listening to this podcast. It's a good podcast. You enjoy it. Anybody that listen or that likes comic books in any kind of way or they love craft, uh, you know, let them know. Let them know. Let them know that we're here. We're here for them every Monday. And uh, yeah, that'll do it. Make sure you're hitting up those websites for our books. That's how you support us. We don't have a Patreon. We don't want free money. We want to give you something and then you give us something and uh, it's all good. All right. That is, uh, yeah. That I mean, that's this episode. That I've is clearly this episode. queued up the music. Right. We're, we're rocking a little bit funk right now. So you yeah. know the deal, brother. I'm, I'm rocking with it right now. You're you're rocking with it right now because right. you've got two hazies in I've got two Playboy. hazies in yeah. me, son. <laughs> exactly. What? <laughs> Nobody's driving nowhere. <laughs> exactly. We're just walking. Yeah, yeah.